Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's Revolution Recap, a weekly review of the New England Revolution and Major League Soccer on WARL 1320 The Drive with your host, Sean Donahue. Hello and welcome to Revolution Recap. We're here every Sunday from 7 to 8 p.m. reviewing the latest games and other news of the New England Revolution in Major League Soccer. Joining me today in studio is Don Cuddy of Soccer365.com. And uh, last night the Revs had a 3-0 victory over Columbus Crew, which uh, the first half they, they were dominating the whole game pretty much. In the first half they were unlucky not to get a goal. But the second half, they piled on the pressure. They got a goal in the 64th minute. They got another one. Pat Newton scored in the 82nd minute. And then in the 86th minute, Andy Dorman put the game out of reach. I, I thought it was a very good performance by the Revs. They continued to build upon what they did in the second half against San Jose the week before. And if, if they keep playing like this, I don't see why they can't win the MLS Cup championship. What do you think of the game, Don? Well, I thought it's a very good time to be a Revolution fan. I know uh, they're starting their 10th year now, and the fans have been very loyal to them, but uh, I think it's about time that, that they did have uh, a championship contender. It might be a little premature to talk about them uh, you know, going all the way based on uh, two games, but certainly last night's performance sent a message to the other teams in the Eastern Conference because... Uh, as you know, Columbus had a very strong performance the week before, 3 nothing win, and uh, they probably came in quite confident. So uh, there wouldn't be too many Revs fans would have been predicting a 3 nothing win prior to the start. But I think the Revs just uh, battered them. I mean, uh, Columbus uh, withstood the pressure as long as they could, and then they cracked. And uh, I don't think we're... Uh, used to seeing uh, a Revs team being that cohesive uh, for over the 90 minutes because they, they never let up. This is a team known for slow starts to the year and this is actually the first time the Revs have actually been undefeated after the first two games and really for, for a team that's always ha had problems with slow starts and they've been finishing strong at the end of the year it's a good sign even to see them win their second game and tie their first game on the road. A, a tie on the road is not a bad result and a win at home is, is what you want to see the team do and really the, the performance against Columbus was a dominating performance by them and they kept most of the possession. It, it's what you like to see out of the team and they, if they keep that up they're, they're really going to be a tough team to beat this year because Columbus did not look like a bad team playing after their game against Los Angeles in which they dominated against Los Angeles so it, it looks like this is a team that definitely has potential and with the rookies like Michael Parkhurst, they'll have potential for years to come. Like Michael Parkhurst, I thought, looked very comfortable with the ball at his feet in the last game. He looked a lot more comfortable than he did against San Jose. He was organizing the defense well. And the defense, which has been their weak spot over the past couple of years, looked pretty well in that game. What did you think of the defense? Well, I think uh, last night uh, the team as a whole played very well. Uh, I mean, I attended the post-game press conference, and, uh, of course, there was uh, a lot of questions about uh, the rookies. Uh, particularly Riley, of course, but uh, Steve declined to single out anybody for praise uh, because it was a team performance, and uh, he did say that the uh, job of the five-man midfield was to take the pressure off the back three because, of course, uh, there was a lot of people questioning the wisdom of uh, three men in the back, particularly against two strong forwards that Columbus have with Razov and Buttle. But uh, you notice on set pieces... Uh, They'll have Joseph and Dempsey come back in the box to pick up the big guys. And uh, Parkhurst is in there because he's supposed to be a ball player. 
And uh, I mean, this is what I've read. I, I, I've only seen him as much as anybody else. But uh, apparently, his strength is he reads the game well and he's a good passer of the ball. So, uh, you know, if that being the case, once he gains a little more experience and a little more confidence, uh, you know, we can see the Revs passing the ball out of the back now. And so there, there may be less of this Route 1 football that uh, we've seen over some of the years with uh, different Revs lineups. Yeah, with Parkhurst, I, I noticed there was a couple times where I thought. It looked like he had an opportunity to pass, and it looked like he might be taking it. And then you see how Columbus was already there to go in and intercept the pass, where in years past, you'd think for Revolution defenders, you imagine them getting into trouble like that, but then he just cuts back and passes it to somebody else. He seems to be someone who's really comfortable to beat with the ball at his feet. And at, at, even at a rookie year, he seems to be ready for the, the major leagues. And James Riley, another rookie, also looked pretty good last night. And I think the Revs have found two gems in the draft in Michael Parkhurst and James Riley. Maybe too early to tell, but... From what we've seen so far, I think they look pretty good. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the early signs are certainly favorable. They've both come in, and uh, Steve Nichols given them the opportunity, and they haven't let them down. And uh, they look like they can, uh, you know, do a good job for the Revs. Um, having said that, though, I, I think the Revs certainly uh, are looking for a central defender, obviously, with the loss of Carlos Humosa. And uh, I'm also curious about uh, Avery John's position. He, uh, seems to have uh, fallen out of favor, but uh, I mean, he's a professional. I'm sure he's biding his time. So, uh, you know, we need to find another central defender so that we have a little more depth. And um, with Riley and uh, Cascio, what happens on the left side of midfield is also going to be interesting. Uh, we can watch that as the season progresses. Uh, I was talking to Riley last night in the locker room, actually, and uh, he said he played on both sides of midfield in college. And uh, because Steve Ralston is a naturally right-sided player, and he was playing on the left last night, so uh, I, you know I wonder why Riley wasn't playing on the left and Ralston on the right. I thought I'd like to have seen Steve Ralston more involved in the first half because he was playing, I felt, against a couple of younger players on his side of the field, and uh, we needed to get more balls into the box early. I think you know that's been uh, what the type of uh, opportunities that uh, Taylor Twelman has been uh, just hungering for, you know. But having said that, too, I'd like to note that Taylor really worked very hard last night. And uh, him and Pat Noonan are definitely going to score a ton of goals this year. Yeah, Taylor Twelman and Pat Noonan really seem to be on the same page this year. In years past, the, they've seemed to have some difficult, difficulty hooking up. But this year, they've seemed to be working much harder, and they seem to be getting on the same page. And going back to what you said about Riley, I, Steve Nichol at the press conference had talked about him playing on the left side as well. Uh, in one of the games he saw, and he said he did well. So I was a little surprised to see Ralston on the left. Ralston obviously did a very good job defending on the left. I think he shut down Columbus's attack, but playing on the left is not his strong point, and it limited his offensive abilities and getting forward and getting crosses. And his, his left foot is obviously not as strong as his right foot. We've seen him getting some good crosses there before, but really, you want him playing on the right. That's his best position. And with Riley, I guess Steve Nichol thinks he's a better player on the right as well. It kind of makes you think that when Cassio comes back, they're going to have trouble not putting Rawson back on the right and putting Cassio on the left, even with as good as R Riley has done. Well, I mean, Cassio remains an unknown quantity. He got a little time in San Jose, but uh, he said that uh, he doesn't feel like he's fully fit yet, and uh, he's also going to have difficulty adjusting to the new uh, style of play here because uh, he said that... Uh, you know, he's not accustomed to defending, which is, you know, the first question I asked him when I talked to him in training when he arrived. They said, hey, now you're playing for an English coach. You know what that means. You're going to have to run up and down the field. 
and uh, he, he didn't seem overly enthusiastic about that. But I think uh, if he's determined to stay, he can uh, certainly emulate uh, Jose Cancela, who's uh, actually playing really well this year all over the field. And uh, I think Jose is, uh, you know, signed on to the, to the Steve Nichol, uh, you know, uh, style of play. And now we're seeing Cancela actually contributing a lot more because he's a wonderful ball player. He's got good vision and great skill. Sometimes uh, he wasn't getting back and helping out as much, but now you see him making tackles back on the edge of the box. Yeah, last year, Kinsale kind of had an off year. In 2003, when he came to the Revs, uh, he, he was looking really well, providing the assists. And last year, he, he wasn't having his best year, and uh, he even actually sat out a couple of games on the bench. But this year, he seems to be back on in his game, and his passes against San Jose were creating a lot of good opportunities. His passes in the last... Uh, yesterday against Columbus were creating a lot of opportunities as well and against a team like Columbus you gotta you remember that the Revs just ended Columbus's 19 game record unbeaten streak so it, it shows you what a good team Columbus was and it, and how well the Revs played against them and how much they dominated against them shows what a good team the Revs could be th this year so yeah that was that, that was a very impressive performance because uh, the Revs just never gave up. Um, actually, I was talking to Riley in the locker room, and I said, what did Steve Nichol tell the boys at halftime? And he said to them, well, you're playing well, you're making good decisions, and uh, if you just keep going, you know, it's going to happen for you. And and that's what they did. They they continued to press. And, uh, you know, just to mention Kinsella again briefly, um, what I admire most about him in uh, the games I've seen him this year is that he's always showing for the ball when... Uh, one of the back three is looking for an outlet. He's popping up and saying, you know, give me the ball. And he's the guy that's linking the play. And uh, I think with uh, with Dempsey and Joseph being so strong in the middle, it's given him much more freedom to roam. You know, when he was playing central midfield and uh, he was expected to defend, he sometimes wasn't getting back. And then he was being criticized for that. But, and that wasn't his natural game. But I think he's, very, he's adapted very well this year. And uh, he certainly looks fit. The whole team looks fit. I mean, they, they never stopped. I mean, I, I think after the first goal went in, I thought Columbus let down, as, as you will, naturally. But, uh, you know, if you think about uh, Matt Reese, he wasn't really troubled in the course of the 90 minutes. So uh, I think that's you know demonstrates how much the Revs actually were able to press them and keep them back in their own half. Yeah, the Revs' offense in that game kept Columbus, as you were saying, out of their own half, and it really made it easier on the Revs' defense, even with the... Michael Parkhurst and Jay Heaps and Joe Frantino on the back line, they didn't have that much to do. But when they did have that, when they did have something to do, I, I thought they performed very well as a unit together. And even though that three had probably had never played together before in an MLS game, I thought they looked very organized even from the start of the match. And it showed what they were capable of. And, and really, it looks like a team that could make it to the championship at this point. It's too early to say, but it, it looks like a good team to me. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I think we're starting to see the benefits of uh, Steve Nichols' uh, coaching philosophy because uh, I've always been a Steve Nichols admirer. I mean, a man who's accomplished as much in the professional game as he has, he's got to have absorbed a lot of the experience from some of the great people he's worked with. And now the team, after a couple of years in charge, is beginning to have his stamp on it. They're playing the way he wants. And, uh, you know... I don't think he uh, is ever going to be accused of being the most imaginative coach in world soccer, but uh, 
the advantage that he has is that uh, he remains uh, calm no matter what's happening. He, you know, he doesn't let uh, the events on the field cloud his judgment. He's always able to make good decisions. And uh, he's had a tough uh, year last year with injuries. But if he can keep this squad healthy, then there's every reason to think that uh, the Reds are going to be a threat. They can certainly beat anybody based on their performance last night. And uh, Andy Dorman... He didn't get to see any time against San Jose, but he came off the bench, and like he was doing last year, he had two goals last year, he came off the bench this year against Columbus, and he went on, he got created that goal. It was really, he's, what he's doing is becoming quite a sub off the bench to score goals like that. Yes, uh, I like Andy Dorman a whole lot, and not just because he's a Liverpool fan, as I am myself. Uh, he works hard, he's uh, got a very good attitude, and... Uh, He's able to get into a game and score a goal, which is, you know, something, for example, that uh, Richie Baker, who was uh, with the Revs last year, was unable to do. And the way he took that goal last night, I think, demonstrated that there's a brain in there as well, because he, first of all, he was able to get himself in the position, and then when the ball came over, he was able to make that one move that took both the defender and goalie out of the play, and it trickled over the line. So uh, I think Andy Dorman is going to develop into an excellent young player. I guess we're going to go to a quick commercial break here, and then we'll be back with Craig Tornberg on the phone. In the market for a late model, one-odor automobile? Then why not stop by Matthew Auto Sales? On Route 6 in Somerset? the area's first choice in late model one owner automobiles. Family owned business for over 40 years, Matthew Auto Sales also has auto glass repair, auto body, and towing services. Come by and see Richie about the good buy of the week. That's Matthew Auto Sales on Route 6 in Somerset or check them out at www.matthewauto.com or give them a call at 508 678 9033. That's 508-678-9033. And make sure to bring Oscar a doggy bone. Head to the airport for that great getaway. Airport golf, that is. At Airport Golf in North Attleboro, they have more than just the area's best driving range. They have a challenging 18-hole mini golf course and batting cages that the whole family will love. Swing by the Pro Shop and take that club that you've had your eye on for a while out to the range for a free demo. You can bring your golf game to the next level at Airport Golf with a variety of lesson packages that will suit you or your whole family. At Airport Golf in North Attleboro, they have putting greens, chipping areas, and sand traps that will hone your skills and help you leave the office far behind. Maybe the office needs a bit of a field trip. Airport Golf wants you to have your next corporate event, birthday party, or sports team outing with them. Annual memberships are also available, so fly away from the stress of the day at the airport. Airport Golf on Route 152 in North Attleboro. Visit them online at airportgolfrange.com. So there you sit, trying to plan your financial future. But there's so much to know, and so many choices. How can you be confident you're making the right decisions? Maybe you won't need the guidance of a financial professional to reach your goals, but most of us will. Your modern Woodman representative can analyze your needs to help you make informed decisions about financial products and services. 
Plus, you'll gain access to fraternal member benefits that can enrich your family and community. Call your Modern Woodman representative today. Touching lives, securing futures. Securities offered through MWA Financial Services, Inc., a wholly owned subsidiary of Modern Woodman of America. 1701 First Avenue, Rock Island, Illinois, 61201. Phone 309-558-3100. Member NASD SIPC. You've got a ticket to ride with Millennium Sportsbook at VetMillNow.com. Right now, sign up at Millennium Sportsbook and get a 25% sign-up bonus. Beat the line moves with access to the overnight lines at Millennium Sportsbook. You'll enjoy their easy-to-navigate website, multiple payment options, outstanding customer service. And don't forget, VetMillNow.com's teaser odds are the highest payouts anywhere. Go to VetMillNow.com or call toll-free 1-800-824-1637. And now, back to Revolution Recap with your host, Sean Donahue. Hi, today on Revolution Recap, we have joining us Craig Tornberg, General Manager of the New England Revolution. Can you hear us, Craig? Thanks a lot. Um, going into the season, what are your goals for, for the organization this year? You know, I don't think our, our goals have changed much over the last 10 years since I've been involved with the team. I think first and foremost, um, we're, we want to win a championship. And uh, MLS Cup is really always very close, near and dear to our, our hearts. And obviously we've been close to that before. We've had a couple of uh, bites at it, but haven't been able to walk away with the trophy. So first and foremost, we want to bring our fans a championship. Secondly, um, you know, from the business side and, and only being a 10-year franchise, we really want to have a, a franchise that's financially sound. And we want to lead the league in having a business that makes sense. Um, and obviously the revolution is very focused on, on doing the, the right things by the fans, by the organization, so that we can um, uh, finally turn a profit in, in operating a business. Uh, do you have any promotion plans for the team this year that you're hoping to get out and hoping to maybe turn the corner and make a profit this year? There's from, there's a lot of things that we've already done and already put into motion, and I hope that the um, just shy of 10,000 people that came out last night had an opportunity to experience some of them. First, firstly, we to celebrate the 10th season anniversary, we rolled back the season ticket prices. Um, we took a lot of people by surprise, including the league office, uh, with with that, and I think that was a great uh, a great tip of the cap from the from the crafts right to our fan base, um, the people that especially the people that support us twenty times every single year. Uh, I, I can't even begin to tell you, you know, how surprised many of us were that they actually went in that direction. Um, the second thing was, uh, you know, if you if you saw some of the family uh, value menu items, I guess is how we're referring to it, the rev uh, value meals that are over at the stadium, uh, our new renewed commitment through Adidas, and we're looking for some promotions to run some promotions with Adidas apparel-wise. Uh, we 
uh, kicked off our season last night with the Bank of America promotion, but I think you're going to see many types of promotion. There's going to be a firefighter night that's taking place, uh, a night to honor firefighters, and, and I think you'll see a big presence on the 7th of May. Uh, big tournament weekend on the 28th of May. You know, my memory, uh, I, I know that we have a TOPS event for uh, August uh, 27th coming up and a high school night. So I think there's going to be several promotions and we'll be rolling them out throughout the course of the year. Obviously, the the biggest thing to bring out the fans is to get results with the team. And this year, the Revs have gotten off to a quick start, the best start they've ever had. And do you think this is a team that can provide and get a championship and bring the fans out that way? You know, you always have to answer a question like that, John. And uh, uh, I always have a tremendous belief in the players that that we have had. And certainly the current side is um, not only a, a team with a lot of talent, but this team has a tremendous amount of heart. Um, we're very excited about the veterans that are returning back. And we're very excited about many of the young kids that we've been able to locate and draft, as well as some uh, additional sprinkling of some great international players that we're putting onto the roster and, have be, and are, are really blending in beautifully with the team. Um, it's a long season, though, and, uh, you know, not to put a damper on anything else, you know, we've been on the other side of this fence before where things look pretty bleak and we've had a roll up right to the championship. Right now, though, I'd, I'd rather be in this position after two matches with four points, you know, one on the road and, one, and three at home, than being in a position where we were uh, starting with no points and trying to figure out what what's going wrong and how to how to correct it. But um, we have a tremendous amount of faith in in the coaching staff um, uh, and and for sure the players that we have. There's a lot of heart on this team, and I think you see it when they play. And, and we had a great match last night. Last year, the team had a lot of struggles with injury problems, and this year with the expanded ro rosters in the reserve league, uh, do you where do you know what do you know about the reserve league so far? And do you know where it's going to be played and and how that's going to work out? <laughs> you know, the reserve rate, you're right, it's an expanded roster. Right now we're, we're at 24 players, but we are going to have 28 players by the time things are all said and done. Um, the reserve players or the reserve league is going to be a culmination of, of several players, not only the reserve players or the developmental players, but they're also going to be potentially people coming back from injury, uh, potential starters who didn't get enough time um, on the pitch the night before. Uh, but we have dialogues. It, it really is a work in progress, and we all knew it was coming, and we've been looking for the best scenario in the sense to be able to showcase some of our players. Um, and, and we've been in dialogues with... Uh, both fields at the university level as well as some private fields to see where the best locations to play these would be. And that's not to preclude the fact that we also have a stadium, but we all, as, as we're all aware, we also have other um, businesses that take place over at Gillette Stadium that we have to be respectful for. So the Reserve League is not something that's going to bring out, we know that right now, uh, 10,000 people to the, to the, to the park. Uh, but it is something that's very important to be able to get these kids games uh, so that should somebody go down, they've had competitive games and they can step right in, right into the system that Steve Nickel and the rest of the coaches want them to play in. Do you know if trialists will be allowed to play in the reserve games? 
Uh, there would be invited guests. That is a possibility that it, it, it would be. Although, you know, it's interesting. We have a coaching staff that um, I, I've talked to Steve many times just about trialists, his philosophies about trialists to come into training. And what a lot of people don't realize is when you bring up a player, and if the player, the chance that the player is not at the same level as the other players, what ends up happening is they bring the practice down instead of trying instead of giving the the other players an opportunity to practice at a higher level they actually bring the bring the training down a bit and that's why we're very cautious as to when we use trialists and the type of trialists that come in and I know we've taken some uh, criticisms on that but I, I think that's been the philosophy that Steve Nichol has has uh, really shared with all of us and we want to be respectful of that he's the head coach at the end of the day it's his responsibility to make sure that the team plays in a style um, that, that suits him and uh, and he has the players that are going to be able to execute what his vision is for the team. And uh, do you know if the team right now is looking at any players uh, with Carlos Mosagon? They, they still do have some depth in central defense, but do you know if the team is really looking at any players to fill that hole or any others? Absolutely. We've had a couple of trialists already in uh, that we've auditioned and some players that we have interest in. Um, and you know it's interesting because Carlos is not totally out of our picture either and I don't want to say something that you know keeps somebody or creates more confusion but it's one of those sort of things that uh, we're still in a dialogue to see if there's some way to even even uh, be able to keep Carlos on the on the roster but uh, that being said, we're also looking for other central defenders, and uh, you know there are a couple of positions that Steve wants to round out on the roster. And you know what? Even through the course of the season, we're always looking because we're not only looking for this year, but we're also looking as we start to to look towards the future and the direction for the Revolution. Craig, this is Don Cutty. I'd like to welcome you to the show, and uh, I have a question for you. Hey, Don, how are you? Good, thanks. Um, about the Adidas sponsorship, I, I, I think the, the Reds uniforms now are looking uh, very professional, in my opinion, anyway. But uh, does the uh, Adidas sponsorship exclude having any other uh, logos on the shirt, uh, like uh, soft drinks or anything like that? No, this year, and it's a great point, on Sierra Mist, um, you know, they, they brought the Sierra Mist brand over to D.C., so what ended up happening is uh, it wasn't any slight for us. It's just really uh, their strategies and, and their market strategies. Um, those are, you know, the shirt sponsorship has been by and large a league sponsorship. And if the league basically gives us a, a, another uh, brand to put on it, then we will indeed do that. Um, we're, we've actually been in a little bit of a dialogue as well to see if it's something that we can do on a local level. But in the past, it's been a league-run sponsor area. Well, as a soccer purist, I, of course, uh, would prefer a shirt that didn't have any uh, commercial-type advertising. So this might be a good time for all Revs fans to get that uh, exclusive shirt this year. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of things. And, uh, and I, I'll consider myself into that soccer purist, although probably a little more watered down after experience some of the other side of things with the with the business side and some of the realities that we have to run through. Um, we're we're really gracious for the sponsorships that we have because, as you probably know, 
there hasn't been a, a kind of monies that that uh, they enjoy in Europe and even Latin America from television broadcasting. So as a result, you know, we have to rely on other to uh, other sources of revenue um, to be able to run the franchise. So. Um, you know, I know exactly what you're saying, but we're also very thankful that we have people that step up and, and put their brands in, and want to use the revolution as a way to uh, gain more exposure for their brand. Yeah, well, of course, all the big clubs in Europe now have uh, plenty of sponsorship, and uh, I think Barcelona is the only one that uh, has refused to accept anything on the shirt. Mm -hmm. Uh, another question I'd like to ask you, though, is about uh, the uh, national team players. Uh, I mean, it's... It, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because you have uh, Steve Ralston, um, uh, Noonan, and uh, Dempsey. Clint Dempsey going away on national team duty, which in a sense will increase the uh, Revs' profile for people who watch national team games and may uh, attempt them to go to a game. But at the same time, it's uh, going to be a, a, a hole for the team to fill when they're away on national team duty. Absolutely. Uh, we watch in the same way that you watch. You know, we we see Raleigh <laughs> finish off a ball in in uh, a World Cup qualifier, and we jump up and down and say, "Well done." And then we think about it again and say, "Ooh, what <laughs> that that probably means another call up very soon." So it's it's going to be a challenge for us. I mean, that's the that is the double-edged sword. We have exceptional players and you know we've all watched the league grow in the last 10 seasons and I think the revolution especially or exponentially has grown um, we have several players not only the three that you you mentioned well you mentioned four with Taylor but uh, others that are even have been called into the US national team pool and potentially others that that get called into a, a variety of qualifying situations as well when they have shell shell matches or or in Trinidad circumstance with um, uh, with Avery so it's a challenge for us right now I think we have um, six players that are playing on national sides and uh, you know when they're, when they're all starters it makes for a challenge how to how to keep the level where it is uh, is going to be a big challenge for us. Um, you've got some ideas. We're we're well open. How's that? Yeah. Okay. Well. Uh, also, I I watched uh, Brad Feldman on the uh, WB56 Friday night, and I thought he made some excellent points with uh, with regard to the, the Revs draft picks all being selected for national team duty. You know. So I think that. Uh, is, uh, speaks very favorably about the uh, Revolution Development Program and also uh, the quality of the American player now playing in MLS because I think the league is definitely uh, going to surprise some European teams when uh, they get to compete against them, which I hope is something that we'll be seeing more of in the future. I agree with you. And, uh, you know, not only the uh, several of the players, I mean, we look back and see some of the um, drafting that we've done, and you can go back to Taylor and Pat. Uh, you know, Shari and so forth, but what I'm really excited about is being able to maintain that tradition, and you look at uh, Parkhurst and, and Riley last night, and we saw them obviously when we were down in, in Bermuda and then again in Ecuador, and these are kids that have a tremendous amount of composure for their age, um, and, you know, I'm sure that uh, uh, many of our fans, Don, are, are looking towards the future for, for U.S. national team potential for these kids. 
and uh, I, you know, I read something, and it was quite a little shocker too. You know, when when Parkhurst is talking about the fact that he could potentially go over to Ireland and and play. So I, I certainly hope Bruce is keeping a, a close watch on on this little player because uh, we, you know, it's still very early, and only a couple of games does not make a a career. But uh, Steve's done very well in the last several years. Uh, finding these gems, and I think that uh, we have many of them, and some that we haven't even auditioned yet. Uh, I think the, the fans have a lot to look forward to in the in the matches to come. And with the reserve league this year and the extra players, do you think it gives the Revs the depth they need to to handle it when those players do go away with the national team? Do you think this year they have a lot more depth than last year, obviously? And do you think the players are up to the quality where the Revs play won't drop off that much when they lose those players? You know, you, it's very difficult anywhere to replace your, your starting 11. It's especially been difficult in, in MLS. The Reserve League is there just for that purpose. Again, one of the difficult things that would happen last year, for example, we lost so many players and not having the additional players that had trained under, under Steve Nichols' system to be able to bring in and, uh, uh, and really blend right into the to the team. So many times we look pretty disjointed and and out of sorts. I think going forward, uh, those extra twelve matches, and then we also have some penciled in games against some universities. You're going to see an opportunity for for players to step in and and at least be able to hold the level of play instead of such a a large dropout a drop off for all the teams that we've seen when injuries uh, occur. And I think between the national team duty, as Don has mentioned, and injuries, we've seen a, a drop-off in the past in MLS uh, at certain times. And I think it's important for the league as a whole to to be able to blend these kids into the program. And uh, with the reserve league, you just mentioned that they could also they'd also be scheduling some games against universities. Is there any chance that the reserve team would play against some lower division teams in America, like the USL Division Two or teams like that? Yeah, the USL has actually shown interest to get involved with with those reserve matches. So uh, I think going forward, you're going to see that it's going to be a lot more expanded than than 12 matches. Um, uh, what we're enjoying right now, of course, is we're wrestling with the operational side of the reserve league. But once we iron out a few things, dot a couple of <laughs> I's and cross some T's, I think it's going to be good for all of us, especially with the sense of, of the coaches because they'll have an opportunity to, to see these players. Um, I love Steve, Steve Nichols' philosophy. Steve is one of these uh, coaches who has just as much respect for number 28 as he does for number one, if you know what I'm talking about, with the depth chart of a club. And a lot of the things that he does with relationship with the team, um, he treats all the players and makes them all feel professional and makes them all feel as though they're they're a valuable component for the team. And you've seen it with players that have been on the bench that came in and made unbelievable contributions. Uh, Marshall Leonard is a good example of a player like that. Uh, just to be able to feel like at any given time, even when he wasn't playing, that he's an important component of the team and then he gets into the into the team and right away he's uh, he becomes a, a professional in a very quick manner. Uh, I think that's uh, that's a good reflection or, or the real reflection of Steve Nichol as a coach. And the one player who was drafted by the Rebs who we haven't really heard anything about, Tony Lockhead, is he he's still in the team's pitcher or has he contacted the team or is he definitely planning on trying his game over in Europe and has no interest in MLS? 
Yeah, Tony is, is what's called college protected. Uh, that means that should the day come that he decides that MLS is the place to be, then uh, at least over uh, the short term, and the short term being the next couple of seasons, uh, then he'll be assigned over to the Revolution. Uh, that that being said, we've had some other players that have been in a situation like that and and never turned up for the for MLS or the or the New England Revolution. So Tony is still, from everything that I've heard, going overseas. Uh, but he has indicated that should he ever give MLS a, a shot, he's thrilled on the fact that Steve Nichol is going to be his coach if he ends up being in the United States. So how many years do they get his rights for? It's it's two years. And so would that mean like a player like Jeremiah White, would they still have his rights at this point? Currently, but, uh, you know, again, if uh, he doesn't make a transition to MLS over a period of time, then uh, the college protection runs out. At a certain point, it, it runs out for us. All right. Well, thanks a lot for coming on to the show. Hey, my pleasure. I appreciate the opportunity. Talk to you later. All right. Bye-bye now, Sean. Bye. Uh, I thought that was a very informative conversation there, and I, I mean, it was interesting to hear that the reserve leagues wouldn't just be against the other reserve teams, which is the 12-game schedule, that there would be more games against universities, giving a lot of players the opportunity to, to play who wouldn't have normally played like in situations like last year. Yeah, I think it's important for players to play, and uh, you know, regardless of the level, just to go out there and get some game time, because there's uh, really no substitute for match fitness when you come into a team. Must be very hard for a player, particularly come off the bench at a critical stage of a game, and he hasn't started for a couple of weeks. I mean, it's just going to take you that much longer to react because the pace of the game is so fast now. And as he was saying, also players who are coming off of injuries, it gives them a chance to gradually get back into game fitness instead of getting thrown right back into the full-time game too. Yeah, well, I think it's an indication of uh, the league's development that they're now being able to put something like this in place. Uh, we're going to a quick commercial break here, and then we'll be back with Rola Kell, who's going to talk a little about the Columbus Crew. and pizza are two of the best words your wallet and stomach could hear all day. And Domino's Pizza in Somerset has the deal for you. Carry out any large pizza and a side item and get a second pizza of equal or lesser value for free. Don't forget that Domino's Pizza of Somerset has hot cheesy bread, buffalo chicken kickers and wings, along with sticks ready to deliver for that great night in. If you're having friends over, try the monster combo. That's two large, two-topping pizzas, buffalo wings or kickers, breadsticks, and a two-liter Coke for only $24.99. Domino's Pizza of Somerset is open Sunday through Friday until 11, and they're open until midnight on Saturday. Hot and fresh cheesy bread and pizza? Just a phone call away. 508-673-9700. That's Domino's Pizza of Somerset. 508-673-9700.
Hello. If you haven't heard yet, burrito lovers, Down City Providence is now home to Cilantro Mexican Grill, where we prepare Rhode Island's finest and freshest gourmet burritos and tacos. You will not find a freezer or a can opener anywhere near our premises. Using fresh tomatoes, corn, onions, jalapeno, and cilantro, of course, we prepare for hours so that you can be served on our burrito line in a snack. Meat lovers may choose from our fresh grilled chicken marinated in a red pepper adobo sauce, or tasty pork carnitas or savory ground beef. Whilst the vegetarian will be sated with our savory black and pink beans and creamy guacamole topped off with a blend of white cheddar and Monterey cheese and some fresh romaine lettuce all rolled into a tasty whole wheat tortilla. You can wash it all down with a cool Corona, Negro Modelo, or perhaps a blended margarita. We're open seven days a week from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. and midnight on the weekends. We are located in downtown Providence on 127 Way Bossett Street, right down the street from the PPAC Theater. If you have any questions, my name is John Palmieri, and I'm the owner. I would happily fax you over a menu or an order sheet anytime. Call us at 421-TACO. P.S. We deliver for free anywhere in Providence. Thank you very much. I hope to see you soon. Are you tired of waiting in long lines at generic coffee shops? Then stop in at the Brooklyn Coffee Tea House at 209 Douglas Avenue in Providence, Rhode Island. The Brooklyn Coffee Tea House, which offers the finest selection of gourmet coffee and tea, is located just off exit 23 from Route 95 North and South. The Brooklyn Coffee Tea House also offers evening entertainment. If you're a poet, come by on Tuesday nights for spoken word. If music is your thing, Wednesday open mic night is for you. With our upright piano and wireless mic, we offer you a form to express your talent. You can drop in Fridays as well for our after-work business gatherings. And of course, the Brooklyn Coffee Tea House is always a great place to study. The Brooklyn Coffee Tea House is also available for your private event or function. Take advantage of the patio and water garden for birthday parties, luncheons, holiday parties, and more. To reserve your event, Call 401-575-2284. Again, that's 401-575-2284. Brooklyn Coffee Tea House. We are your morning coffee house. And now, back to Revolution Recap with your host, Sean Donahue. Joining us now, we have Rola Kell, who uh, runs her own website, thecrewfans.com, and also writes for MLSfan.net, which is my site. And the, the crew, did, can you hear us, Rola? Yeah, I can. And the crew came off a great win against Los Angeles, and then against New England, they didn't look so great. Uh, do you, what, do you, what do you think were the differences between what they, how they played against Los Angeles and how they played against the Revs? Um, I thought the biggest factor was uh, the New England Revolution fielded a much stronger defense than... LA, LA had uh, much more inexperience in their defense, and so that was probably the biggest factor. Um, the midfield didn't show up, so um, in comparison to the LA match, I thought the midfield did a pretty fair job against LA, but when it came to um, New England's ma the match against New England this past weekend, it's horrible. And with, with Schulte in uh, defense starting for the crew, uh, a rookie, do you think that kind of affected the organization of the defense, even with a veteran like Robin Frazier back there to patrol the defense? Um, yeah, I thought just maybe a little bit. Um, Schulte probably was one of the may was one of maybe the few D 
decent players out there, um, but the inexperience definitely factored in against L.A. They had a stronger counterattack, so... And, and I, I thought the forward pairing of Ante Razov and Edson Buttle looked very good against Los Angeles. They didn't seem to be par getting any passes to each other in this game. They didn't seem to work too well. Do you think that's a forward pair, pair that's going to work well in the future? Um, I think give, I think if you give them time, they will. Um, it just depends on if there's a midfield there to support them. They didn't have that against the Rubs, so that really threw that uh, so-called pair off. Um, right now, that the pair between Razov and Bodo technically has yet to develop. Um, some say that it showed real well in, against L.A., but I I don't think that it did. Um, I thought that was more individual play by, by the both of them. Bodo had his own game. Razov played his own game. And Danny Zatella, who last year was mostly used as a substitute, has come in this season and earned himself a starting spot and has been playing real well. He's a really young player, and, and do, you, do you think we can expect more out of him in the future and maybe a potential national team player in the future? Oh, yeah, of course. He had a great run with um, the uh, the U.S. team in the summer, so, uh, I mean, in the offseason, sorry. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think if you give him time to develop in uh, Columbus, then, you know, he, he'll see time maybe in the World Cup, too. And with Frankie Hayduk, do you think he's going to be returning next week? And uh, if he is, do you think that's going to be a difference for the Columbus's midfield, maybe enough to make them a better team and win in their next game? I honestly don't think he's ready to come back next week. Um, we saw him this past weekend um, against the Revs. Uh, he, didn't, he didn't really have much of a game. came in for Lagos just shortly before uh, Clint Dempsey scored. And, you know, it was actually his fault that Dempsey was free for the header. So I I really felt that he had a poor um, 30 minutes against uh, the Revs. So um, if, he can, if he can recover from his injury, then, yeah, of course, uh, we're going to be so much better. We'll have the experience in the back or in the midfield. So that who are, who are some of the rookies this year that you see as players that could develop into good contributors for the team this year and in the future? Um, excuse me? What are the, some of the rookie players that Columbus has oh. drafted that you, you think could develop into potential stars in the future? Um, definitely Schulte. Uh, he just ran right straight away in the, in the beginning of the season, the first two games, he earns himself a spot. So I think that you know he's going to develop into a good player. Um, Max Cameron uh, graduated for, uh, from the University of Michigan if he can recover from his injury, um, I think he's going to be potentially dangerous in this league. He has a build like Edson Buttle. He's bigger than Edson Buttle, and, you know, he's he will be dangerous. Um, and, besides, uh, that, besides that, I, I don't know if Dominic Mediate or Marcus Story will come up big for the crew. Don Cuddy actually has a quick clip he wants to play of Simon Elliott talking about if he thought the crew underestimated the Revs for this game. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll just cue it in here and uh, must warn the listeners that uh, number one, we're listening to a man from New Zealand, and number two, he's eating a chocolate bar.
the stand up and kind of cost us. We uh, thought we gave the ball away a little tiply. I thought we got very stretched from front to back. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're a good team when we stay compact. And uh, I, I don't think we did, did a very good job of that today. And, uh, you know, and, and New England have good ball players and they'll find gaps and they, you know, they move players as well. Yeah. And, uh, and that cost us. I think uh, Elliot actually made a pretty good point there that, that New England was moving the ball well and that that's what, what caused them to lose the game. The Columbus really couldn't stop them with their uh, midfield. Do you think that's something that's going to hinder Columbus in the future or do you think a player like missing like Hayduke, someone who's strong defensively, is something that when he gets better in his uh, full fitness, they're going to have a, do a better job at? Um, whether or not Hayduke's in the lineup, um, I think that that will hinder us. Um, it, it doesn't really, I don't think it'll rely more on what Hayduk can uh, bring to the team. It just depends on the rest of the midfield. Um, our wing, our wings, especially David Testo, he's not comfortable in that position yet. And uh, therefore, our wing, his side was very, you know, non-existent. If, another thing is if Kyle Martino can show up. Um, honestly, he didn't play much of a, ga- much of a game uh, yesterday. So um, that's going to really hurt us in the future. And um, another thing is Simon Elliott. He, I don't think he had that great of a game either. He is passing with Tom Martino is horrible, and which caused a lot of turnovers. So if we if we have a game like that against, um, if our midfield has a game like that, like they did against New England, then it's not going to look really bright for us in the future. And Columbus actually was on a 19-game unbeaten streak before the Rose beat them, and do you, do you think that they're a team that's capable of doing something like that again, or do you think maybe they got a little lucky on that run, and really they're not as good a team as that would make them out to be? Um, I think that we can if we work on our whole midfield. Uh, our midfield. Uh, basically, what hurt us, like I said, is our midfield. If we can... Um, work on the passing between each player and um, that type of stuff, then yeah, of course, we can do something like that. Um, some people actually underestimate what the, and you know, they don't really look at what the unbeaten streak was actually like. I don't think that we played as well as, you know, the, as newspapers and what, you know, what it says on the paper. Uh, 19 game on beaten streak. Well, that's great, but we, you know, we didn't come up with uh, results. You know, three zero results, two uh, two zero results. You know, they were barely wins. Maybe one zero to one. So I think we might have gotten lucky in that perspective. And Columbus last year came storming into the playoffs, whereas opposed to the Revs who just barely made it in their last game, made it into the playoffs, and then they were knocked out by the Revs, who really nobody was expecting that out of them. Do you think that Columbus, this year with a few adjustments, could get over the hump and make it to the final? Um, yeah, I think that we can if, you know, if we can work well together. Uh, there's a lot of new faces on this team, so as we develop throughout the season, I think that we have a chance at a cup. Um, you know, the Eastern Conference seems like it. I think it's actually wide open for anybody to take. You know, a lot of people are saying, "Oh, DC is DC is going to repeat," but I don't think that you know they have that it's going to be guaranteed uh, for DC.
So I think it's really wide open. It can be anybody. Who do you see as the teams with the biggest chance of winning the East? Um, I, you know, after seeing what New England and the um, the pair that Noonan and Twelman and Dempsey and Ralston make, you know, the the group between those four. So I think that New England, New England actually has a chance. Um, Dempsey is very dangerous. He's coming off a great year. Uh, Twelman is coming off an injury, so maybe he can recover and you know. Uh, do something great for New England. Noonan is uh, Noonan was called up in the preseason uh, for the New England, uh, for the U.S. national team. I mean, and uh, Ralston, of course, uh, on the U.S. men's national team too. So, you know, they I think they have confidence, and I think that you know things might go well for New England this season and in the playoffs. And speaking of national team call-ups, Columbus also has a few players like Hayduk who could see time with the national team and. Do you, do you think uh, Columbus has the depth to to be, get through those games where they're missing those players? Um, if we if we're missing if Bush gets called up if Marshall gets called up if Hayduck gets called up and you know possibly Bunnell gets called up I think that we might not have the depth that others think say we do. Um, Bunnell is very hard to replace up in the offense. Um, Marshall's going to be really hard to replace when we were missing uh, some substitutes in the some reserves in the defense. Uh, Steve Herdsman's in, still injured, has been injured, um, you know, so that's going to be tough to face. Uh, Hayduk right now, his spot is taken by Mark Schulte, but you know that's not going to be enough. And then. Uh, if John Bush gets called up, then we only have Matt Jordan in the back, and he's been suffering an injury throughout the past two seasons, so it's going to be hard to say. Well, Matt Jordan, when healthy, has been one of the best keepers in the league in the past, and he's even got a chance to go over to Europe. That didn't go well for him, but I, I think that's one position where, if he's healthy, the Columbus don't have to worry too much about if Bush is gone. So do you, do you see it that way? or? Yeah, I see it that way. But, you know, it's just hard to say if Matt Jordan is going to be the same Matt Jordan that he was um, back with, back when he was at Dallas and, you know, when he was 100%. So it just all depends on if the injury, the so-called injury bug, uh, will uh, just show up again for him or not. All right. Well, thanks a lot for coming on the show. Okay. Bye. Thank you. Yep, bye. Uh, the Revs next... They have next week off, and then the week after they're playing DC United and Freddie Do. Do you see that as a matchup that's going to give them more of a trouble than uh, Columbus, or, or what? What do you think the result of that game is going to be? Well, I think first of all, the fact that we have a week off is not good. I wish we were going down there next Saturday because the Revs are really going well now, and uh, the break at this time of the season isn't going to help them. There have been times when breaks have been really helpful because so many players were struggling with injury. But uh, when the team is hot, you want them to keep playing. But I'm sure Steve will have them ready. And uh, um, the parity in MLS is such that the Reds could be down there and lose 3 nothing. And, uh, I mean, I think that's good for the sport, and uh, I welcome that. But uh, it's always a good battle with D.C. We might even get a repeat of the 3-3 game. You never know. Uh, as Steve Nichols said, this team is capable of scoring goals, and D.C. can certainly do that, too. So... Uh, I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, D.C. lost Ryan Nelson in the offseason, who was their captain and really the leader of the team. But even without him, they've had some rookies step up in defense, and their defense 
hasn't looked that much weaker without him. They did lose, I mean, not lose, but they tied Chicago at home, which which wasn't a good result for them. But I, I still think they're a strong team, and I think they should give the Revs some trouble going down there. But it, sh it should be a very good game. Yeah, and uh, credit to Ryan Nelson for making such an impact in uh, Blackburn Rovers. They love him over there. Yeah, Nelson uh, went over to Blackburn and become an instant starter, and he's been offered a new contract now, and they want to sign him back, and really a great job. Credit to him and credit to the league for developing players like Ryan Nelson, and, and now players like him and now Eddie Johnson in Dallas is being wanted by Manchester United. That really shows how far the league has come in its 10 years. It has, but uh, there's still that credibility gap with the average fan in Europe because they still will not take American soccer seriously even after uh, we've seen the U.S. make the World Cup finals and be very narrowly defeated. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll show them. Yeah, uh, I, I always hear people all the time saying, I'm not going to watch MLS. People who are soccer fans, I'm not watching MLS because they don't have the best players in the world. Well, it, it's the league is just 10 years old and they're not going to be able to get the best players unless they have the fan support that gives them the money they need to go out and buy the best players. So you you got to support the the home league like that if you want it to get better. Well, I mean, I can only speak for myself. I like football, and uh, watching football live uh, is much more fun than watching it on TV. So, uh, I mean, I, I, I just want to be at the stadium. And, and with this league, you really get the opportunities to meet the players. Um, I guess we got to wrap up the show now. Thanks for joining us today on the radio and on the Internet. We're going to have archives available now on revolutionrecap.com, and you can get the latest news scores, updates, and pictures of the Revs and MLS at anyrevs.com. We'll be back next week, 7 to 8 p.m., um, and so hopefully you can join us on AM 1320, The Drive, as well as the Internet, and hopefully we'll take some phone callers next week as well. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, and uh, circuit365.com. <laughs>